Welcome to Pentecost Today's podcast. I'm your co-host, Director of Operations at Pentecost Today USA, Steve Mancini. And with me is the Executive Director, Alicia Hardo. Alicia, welcome. Thank you, Steve. It is great to be here. And we, we're humbled to have you all with us on this journey. Um, we're going to open up today's episode with uh, just a prayer, really inviting the Holy Spirit to come and open our hearts, open our minds to to really receive. So let's begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you. We magnify you. Father, we adore you. We bless you. And Father, even, even now as we come before you as your children, as your little ones, Father, we come in the name of Jesus, exalting you and praising you for every single person who is present, everyone who is listening, for Sister Nancy Keller, who will be our guest today. Lord, we magnify you for the witness, for the testimony, for the work of the Holy Spirit, Lord, that she has witnessed, and Lord, that we will receive and, and hear about today. And so, Lord, we... Um, just ask that this would be an encounter with you, Lord Jesus. We, we surrender and submit this time to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you for that, Alicia. And Alicia, like we uh, are doing every week you know, at the show, we're trying to open up and kind of introduce our readers to, I, I don't want to know if I call this the, the, the founding doctrine, but it's the primary doctrine, and we've been reading you know, from this, you know, something we want to read today, if I, if I may be uh, able to start us off here before we kind of discuss it, introduce our guest, from our doctrine, this baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to read a section from 1.2.1. The most immediate effect of baptism in the Spirit is a new awareness of and communion with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In this sense, baptism in the Spirit corresponds closely to what St. John Paul II often described as an encounter with the living Christ. Jesus experienced as the Savior and Lord who graciously acts in our lives today. The encounter with Jesus brings a profound awareness of the love of the Father poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And again, a, a lot, there's a lot going on. These little nuggets, you know, there's a lot going on in here. And in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, our whole, you know, the whole message behind all of this is, is a transformation in everyone and everything. And all of a sudden, your relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is completely transformed, and, and, and it stops becoming this stale, you know, just regulatory thing that you've got to do, and it starts to live and well up inside of you and change the way you think, the way you, you know, the way you believe, the way you act, the way you treat others, and more importantly, how you see God in your life and even outside of your direct life. Uh, Alicia, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I love how that, that paragraph just kind of moves into unpacking how the immediate effect of baptism in the Holy Spirit brings us into communion with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We come into the divine life, and and there's this awareness. It's it's very personal, it's very intimate, but really a consciousness of the power and the presence of the Spirit. We we have an understanding of Jesus is Lord, and and there's a cry from our hearts that really... You know, Romans chapter 8, verse 15 says, Abba, Father, it is by the Spirit that we cry out, Abba, Father. And so we, we come into an awareness of even our own adoption. And so it's, it's just precious to see that 
this is the most immediate effect of baptism in the Holy Spirit. And, and, and something, well, as I say, something we talked about in the past is I said this isn't always, this isn't a one and done. This is about a constant renewal, a constant surrender, a constant stirring to keep you alive. Otherwise, like all things, if you let it, that flame can die. It's it's more than just you know going to something saying hallelujah I'm saved and then tomorrow you're you're back to the same routine it can't it can't be that you have to change your life you have to surrender you have to open up you have to accept these things and every day essentially reaffirm these things am, am I wrong or do you would you agree with that No it's true I mean <laughs> I think that's the daily take up your cross and follow me exactly. Jesus invites us every day into his his passion dying and rising, you know, it's, it's at the heart of conversion. Um, and so we, we want to hear, it's so beautiful. We, we have, we're very humbled to hear from renewal leaders from across the nation, from around the world, and to really hear the personal testimony, but also the witness of the work of the Holy Spirit. And today uh, we want to share with you and, um, a very precious introduction to Sister Nancy Keller. Sister Nancy was born in New York City. She's actually, she's been a Sister of Charity in New York since 1960. And she has a master's degree in history and spent time teaching in history. She was a member with Father Jim Ferry of the first charismatic house of prayer in the United States. And um, she currently is in Scarsdale, New York. And and she just brings a wealth of perspective. She served with our organization as a member of the National Service Committee for 10 years. She served for many years in the ecumenical renewal in the United States. And then she also served internationally with ECRIS as, as the director in, our, in the Rome office. So incredible wealth of perspective. Sister Nancy, welcome. Thank you very much. Yeah, we're humbled to have you here with us. Good to be here. I'm so, always glad to witness to what the power of the Holy Spirit has done in my life. But yeah. you need to prompt me with some questions. Absolutely. <laughs> so we we want to hear, Steve was asking earlier, Is you know, this is something we need to choose every day. And oftentimes, Sister Nancy, you're saying there's always more, more, more of God's love, more of his gifts. Um, so we'd love to hear from you. How did your journey begin and just to hear the early days of your experience with the Catholic Charismatic Renewal. Well, if I could start with an image that came to my mind when Steve was talking. You said I was mm. born in, in New York, in Manhattan, and I actually we actually had a coal stove in the kitchen, and I learned to make the fire in the coal stove. Some people may mm. have been doing it out in the campfire, but I was doing it in, in the, the, our kitchen. And I learned that to make a fire, you first put the paper on, and then you put the wood on, and then you put the coal on, and the paper lights first. And I said, the per paper is the glory, hallelujah. That's the wow moment. That's the mountaintop experience. But if you want a fire that will last, the paper needs to ignite the wood. And the wood in the spiritual life is prayer, scripture reading, exercise of the sacraments. And then the wood needs to burn long enough to ignite the coal. And the coal in the spiritual life is purification. It's the cross. And part of the cross, and one of the parts we often don't like is, the coals need to be piled one on top of the other. And often the purification comes in community. And the gift of the Holy Spirit is a gift not only for personal renewal, 
it's a gift for communal renewal. And I also learned that no matter how high pot that fire is, if you don't keep going out and getting new coals, the fire will go out. And that's evangelization. And it, it takes in the three areas for me of what happened when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. First of all, let me tell you, I, yes, I was born in Manhattan from an Irish-American family. My mother was born in the great county of Tipperary. And I went all through Catholic high school, grammar school and high school. And all through my school years, my sister, Peggy, very quiet, very pious. The nuns always thought she was going to be a nun. And I was happy with that because that meant they left me alone. And so when I was in the sixth grade, and that's an important time in, in vocation life, I looked at a picture of the face of Jesus. And I thought I felt Jesus saying, I want you. And I said, no, not me, Lord, Peggy. When I was a sophomore <laughs> in high school, I did a retreat with St. Therese. And once again, I had this stirring. And I said, no, no, Lord, not me, Peggy. Well, when I was 18, graduated from high school, and I was 18, something happened that changed my life. Now, you might think this was a big spiritual experience. Actually, what happened was my sister Peggy got married. And I could no longer use that excuse for the Lord, <laughs> no, not me, not me, Lord Peggy. And so I guess around that time, I began to stop fighting it. And mm -hmm. I did wait for two years, went to Hunter College, public college, great experience. And I entered the Sisters of Charity when I was 20. And I don't have one of those horror stories where people talk about the terrible things of the novitiate. I was very happy. I was very content, you know just feeling exactly where I wanted to be. I went out to teach the seventh grade, and that was good. I had boys and girls, great. I loved teaching history. The boys loved history. And then I was changed to an all-girls high school. Actually, the high school I went to that I loved, Cathedral High School, and I went in to teach all girls history. Well, girls don't usually like history. I loved it. But. And I was teaching, and at the same time, there was a lot of change going on in the in the church and in the congregation, we began to hear a lot about we relate to God through one another and our work is our prayer. And something in me, much as I thought that was important, something in me said, if there isn't more of God in religious life or in Christian life, if there isn't a personal relationship with Jesus, then it doesn't make any sense. And I was on the verge of leaving the congregation mm -hmm. Not because I no longer felt called to serve the Lord, but I was looking for something more. And by the grace and mercy of God, I went away for a weekend retreat to a house that Father Jim Ferry was there. And, and the first community of the charismatic renewal in a house of prayer. And on Friday night, Father Jim said, now I want you to interview the person on your right and you'll introduce them later. In the late 60s, we had all those gimmicks for getting to know one another. <laughs> So I turned to the woman on my right, and I asked her her name and how many children she had and what the work she did. Okay. The woman on my left was a good Lutheran, charismatic. And she asked me my name, and she said to me, and when did you come to know the Lord? I told her about the experience when I was in the sixth grade or entering religious life. But I also went into chapel after that, and I said, Lord, I don't know if I know you the way that woman mm -hmm. seems to I sensed there was something more and something I was looking for. Also, I was convicted that here I was the religious 
it hadn't occurred to me to ask the woman next to me anything about the Lord in her life. And I'm not sure if I had thought about it, I would have been bold enough. And so that was the beginning. That Those questions stirred up desire in me, and desire is so important. And then I went into the chapel, and over that course of that weekend, I heard different people talking. One of them was Lynn Cheering, and she talked about this experience of the release of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I was always a little bit of a hard nut to crack. So on the weekend, they gave me two books, The Cross and the Switchblade by David Wilkinson and a little pamphlet called Being Baptized in the Holy Spirit by Steve Clark. The first book, The Cross and the Switchblade, I could relate to very well. I was a senior in high school when Michael Farmer, who is the boy that was killed in that book, was killed. I remember the story very well. So I read it with interest. But then I was fighting it. And I said, oh, I don't know about this. That's by a Protestant minister. Maybe, I don't know. How does the Pope feel about this? <laughs> and nothing against Protestant ministers. I became very active in the ecumenical renewal. But it was a good excuse to resist it. I read the little pamphlet. And Steve Clark used the word that made all the difference sorry, in my life. He said, this baptism in the Holy Spirit is a release of the Holy Spirit such that we experience all that God promises of the Holy Spirit. The word release just jumped out at me. And I had to honestly admit that for me, the Holy Spirit was the third person of the Blessed Trinity, a vague notion out somewhere. We played to the Holy Spirit before examinations in school. What I remembered about my confirmation was I was going to be slapped in the face by the bishop I was going to get a new name, and I was going to be made a soldier of Christ when the communists invaded. It was in the 1950s. Mm-hmm. I didn't experience the Holy Spirit the way they did in the early church. And we were mm-hmm. urged to read the Acts of the Apostles. I don't think I'd ever read it before. Read it with that question. Have you had a personal experience of Pentecost? And so I prayed that. And then about a month after my first experience, I went back. I went to my very first prayer meeting. I'd never been to a prayer meeting, never heard the charismatic gift of tongues. And there was a, um, they sat in a circle, and there was a man going on a trip someplace. They pulled the chair out. They prayed with him. I thought, that's very nice. Then they left the chair there, and Father Jim Ferry said, leave it there. I think someone is meant to be prayed with for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I can honestly say, I don't remember getting up out of my chair. All I know is I was in that chair, and they were praying over me. And Father Jim said, what gifts of the Holy Spirit do you want? I never heard of charismatic gifts. But all I could think of was God was pleased with Solomon that he asked for wisdom, and I was a teacher. So I prayed for the gifts of wisdom and teaching. But I think the first fruit I experienced of being baptized in the Holy Spirit was the next morning I took a walk with Father Jim and I celebrated the sacrament of penance face-to-face, mm. the renewal of the sacraments. That was my first experience. I went back to my classroom the following Monday, and I taught in an inner-city high school in New York City. Wonderful, wonderful kids, but they were tough kids. They were kids from the streets of New York. It was 1968, 69. The, the drug scene was rampant. The black power crisis in the cities was very bad. It was a tough time. I went back into the classroom, and the kids said to me, Hey, sister, 
what happened to you this weekend? You look funny. And they said, you look high. And, you know, in, in 1969, when they said high, they, they meant something very different. But I began to talk about the weekend. And I began to talk about my vocation. And it was almost as if I was listening to myself renew my vocation. And I began to talk about what it meant to me to be a sister of charity and my ministry. When I finished talking, I could understand what Peter experienced at the first Pentecost. It was like mm -hmm. there was dead silence in the classroom. And the kid said to me, Sister, something happened to you this weekend. You never talked like that before. And I taught them religion. But they sensed that there was a personal relationship that had deepened. At the same time that year, I did a parents' night with the parents came in of my classes. I was teaching New Testament to freshmen. And I began to talk to the parents about Pentecost. And I had, again, that same experience. And Father Jim Ferry said to me, go to your mother general and ask her if you can leave teaching and come and join us in the House of Prayer community. Now, I was only eight years teaching at that point, And usually, at that point, you were more like 80 years teaching before you ever left it. <laughs> but I went, to, I went to our mother general. And I told her my experience. And she said, I don't understand all that. But I think that is what you're meant to do. So I went to the House of Prayer, and it was like um, the crossroads, one of the crossroads of the charismatic mm -hmm. renewal. In those days when people heard about it, they went to three places. They went to the People of Praise in Ann Arbor, in, in South Bend, Indiana. They went to the Word of God community in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And they came to the House of Prayer in Stanfordville, New York, and in Convent Station, New York. And it was... There, I went there, and Sister Marjorie Walsh, one, another sister in my congregation, and the two of us went kind of with, okay, now let's go. And I realized I needed kind of a charismatic formation, the way I had a religious formation. And so for the next two and a half, almost three years, we learned a lot about the Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And, of course, I realized my vocation to the Sisters of Charity had been renewed, I commit, recommitted myself to my vocation, and I prayed that I would be used by the Lord to spread this wonderful grace of baptism in the Holy Spirit that I had experienced. I didn't experience praying in tongues when I was prayed with. For me, to praise God out loud in English was a big step, because, you know, in those days, we, we said the name of Jesus, we bowed our heads. And they kept saying, praise you, Jesus, praise you. This got a little difficult. So to, for me to praise Jesus out loud, even to tell you the truth, to say the name of Jesus. In those days of 1969, 70, 71, we said at most God or Christ, but Jesus was so central to every prayer and worship that I experienced in the charismatic renewal. So that was big for me. But then I would go to an empty room. I lived at our mother house. I would go to an empty room way up at the top of the mother house and pray out loud in English, a wonderful experience of peace and, and joy. And I knew it was the Holy Spirit. Then again, you know, you can always stop and analyze. You know, we always mm -hmm. used to say, analysis is paralysis. But then when I took my focus off myself and put it on the Lord, it began to flow. I'd like to ask you yeah. a quick, quick question. Okay. Well, I was going to say, I have, a, I have kind of a, a, a quick one, because I want to go back to something you'd said. With respect to, you, you made the comment, when I was getting my confirmation, I expected to be slapped and given a new name. And, and, and you kind of, I mean, you kind of said that jokingly, I'm assuming, because I don't remember thinking I was going to get slapped at my confirmation, but you definitely 
I hate to say it was more like, oh, you get your confirmation, you got to do all these things, and the bishop's mm-hmm. going to be in here, so make sure you do this, and then you had the ceremony and you're done. Why do you think, or, or why do you think that we don't, and even now, I mean, I, I've been to recent confirmations, we don't seem to expect, or I, I don't know what the word is, but we're not <laughs> expecting like some radical transformation, but to your point, a long time ago, there, there was a radical transformation when you when you received the confirmation, you received the Holy Spirit, you were radically transformed. Now we almost don't expect that; it's too ceremonial. What, what, what do you what do you think of that, and, and why? Well, I think it was ceremonial then. I think you used the the word expectancy. I don't think when we were led to our confirmation, we expected to experience the Holy Spirit as they did in the early church. And I think that's one of the missions of the charismatic renewal in the church, to bring us all to a new expectancy of the experience of the Holy Spirit. You know, I heard somebody say one time, the longest distance in the world is the distance from the head to the heart. And I think we need to constantly be praying, as, as, as I am a leader in the charismatic renewal, how to help people to expect in their heart a change. The, for me, the baptism of the Holy Spirit was more than just a refreshment. I like to use the image of the difference between renewal and restoration. Renewal, you put a coat of paint on, you make it look better. Restoration, you gut out the inside and you make it new. Well, for me, it was restoration. Now, one thing I can, I can share that was I didn't expect, but little by little, when I went to charismatic things, I began to expect a healing. And in my growing up, my father was not at home when I was a child. My father was an alcoholic. And he came in and out, but he didn't really live with us. And he, when he was drinking, he was violent. He never touched us, thank God, but he was violent. And little by little, as I listened to people talk about healing and, and salvation, I asked the Holy Spirit to heal me of that hurt from my own father so I could relate to God as father. I could not relate to God as father in the beginning. And one night when somebody was doing a prayer for inner healing, I had the experience of my father coming and sitting right next to me and asking my forgiveness. And I forgave him and I asked his forgiveness. My father was already dead 18 years when I had that experience, but it was just as real as if he was sitting there. And that was an expectancy I never had of of healing. I think inner healing with the baptism, following the baptism of the Holy Spirit is so important for the church today. Forgiveness. I talk about forgiveness at every age level that I ever talk to, whether very young or very old. Sisters, priests, the grace of the power of forgiveness. But it's an experience. See, I think, Steve, we don't expect an experience. When you read about the Acts of the Apostles, the house shook when the Spirit came down. And are we still expecting that experience? And I think we have to minister to the bishops and to the priests to expect that to happen. You know, Sister Nancy, I had I had the grace of just a very small meeting with a group of priests, and I was sharing with them the renewal timeline. And after sharing this timeline of basically showing kind of the the rise of Christendom the rise of infant baptism and the fall of the grace of baptism in the Holy Spirit being received with expectant faith. So I'm, you know, I'm sharing the timeline and just sharing this moment of 
at the height of the fall of Christendom, you know, blessed Elena Guerra is writing letters to Pope Leo XIII, and yeah. and amazingly he responds and and he prays with expectant faith, consecrating the whole 20th century to the Holy Spirit, and and um, and within 24 hours, what is now known as the Pentecostal movement is born, and then 67 years later at the Duquesne weekend, many people see this as a moment of birthing the fire of renewal within the Catholic Church. And mm-hmm. and, and so I, I'm sharing, I'm very excited. And one of the priests, after I share this renewal timeline, he just stopped and he looked at me and he said, Alicia, do you think that all the miracles and all of the healing and everything that took place in the 1960s and 70s and 80s and all of what swept across this nation like wildfire, do you think that was just for a certain time? And I, I paused and I thought, oh, Lord, it's very humbling to receive this question from this very humble priest. And and it was amazing to share just highlights of what we're seeing the Holy Spirit doing all around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alliance of Mercy Covenant Community building a city of mercy for a thousand homeless people, mm-hmm. people being raised from the dead in different countries in Africa because of the expectant faith. Um, and and so it would be great to hear from you. You you saw the work of the Holy Spirit over time. You saw the work of the Holy Spirit throughout the world. It would be great to hear mm-hmm. from you those fruits and those works of the Holy Spirit and really how you saw the Lord igniting expectant faith. Well, I would have to start with myself, which I just did that the Holy Spirit ignited expectancy in me. And mm. my expectancy I'm kind of, was kind of a, a hard nut to crack, as I said, you know, so I moved slowly. And um, little by little, I, I've seen the transformation of people's personal lives. Uh, as we've said, Jesus coming alive in their life. They're expecting, experiencing healing. They're being led to a relationship through the Spirit with the Father. And that relationship of so many people of wounds was was healed, but then I've seen the importance of of people coming together to pray with one another. Now, when I was prayed with, there was only Sister Marjorie. There were just the two of us. We met together and prayed together. We called one another on the phone and we prayed together. That that community experience is very important, mm-hmm. and we did form prayer groups. Thanks be to God, and um, the prayer groups learned how to praise the Lord, and they struggled with relationships. And I had the grace of being able to go into many of them and help them reconcile relationships and and to continue to pray for the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's not just a gift for personal renewal. It's a gift for communal renewal, to pray for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on community. And I think one of the struggles we had in the charismatic movement internationally and nationally was learning how to reconcile relationships and build unity. Maybe we never even expected the Holy Spirit to build unity. It was something I often said, I don't hear us talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit for community. But one of the things we learned, and that was that helped, was the gift of the Holy Spirit for mission and for evangelization. And I, as you said, I had the privilege of being on the ecumenical committee, you know, and sitting at the table with, with men whose fathers had been thrown out of the churches of the people who were sitting at table with them and they were experiencing such profound healing and reconciliation 
and realizing that the two, uh, we need both. We need unity, personal holiness, unity, and the and evangelization. And when I have seen people um, evangelizing, and I remember when I was first experiencing the Holy Spirit, one of the men was a, a Manhattan bus driver, and he didn't have more than an eighth grade education. And when he got up and talked about Jesus, here I had a master's degree in theology, and I said, there's something more here. And I, I think that we have to keep looking for that more. It's a mystery. I don't understand it all. All I know is when we ask for more of God, whether for our personal lives or our communal lives or our mission and ministry, the Holy Spirit answers our prayer mm-hmm. and is sensitive to our needs, our need for mercy and justice, our need for reconciliation and restoration, and our need for a new empowerment. I keep saying, as you know, there's more. There's always more. And I think we have to keep praying with people for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I must say, I get frustrated at times, and I've like a broken record with the National Service Committee, that on Saturday night at charismatic conferences, they have healing masses. Now, I love the mass, and I love the healing mass. But I say to them, where is the prayer for the baptism in the Holy Spirit? Mm-hmm. I don't believe that it's enough to pray for healing. I think we have to bring people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit at every single charismatic conference that we go to. Sometimes mm-hmm. I, I've gone to a charismatic conference and people will say to me, oh, that's the best conference we had in a long time. I don't think it has anything to do with me. It's because I made sure there was a place mm-hmm. for the baptism in the Holy Spirit and the release of the charismatic gifts of the Holy Spirit. Okay. I was talking in Rome one year in 1984 I was very nervous because at the, the time before me, they had an Irish nun and they didn't understand her at all. And I didn't know if they were going to understand my New York accent. And I prayed, Lord, give me a word. If they understand nothing else, give me a word. The word I got became almost the theme of that conference. And it was, be whom I have called you to be. Be a charismatic renewal that operates with the charisms. Be whom I have called you to be. Be a charismatic renewal that operates with the charisms. And I hope that there's no diminishing of our expectancy of the charismatic gifts of the Holy Spirit. That there's no diminishing of our expectancy of the gift of tongues. That great mystery, that great stumbling block for so many people. I found, for me, it was a renewal of help in prayer, a reconciler in community, and an empowerment for mission. But I also see a tendency to want to say, well, you know, that turns people off. So why don't we kind of just leave that out? God, we Holy Spirit, we think you got it wrong with that gift of tongues. So let's leave that out. And it I is, went back, you know, Cardinal Sunens, when he met with us that mm-hmm. famous night, he didn't ask me anything, ask us anything. But what did he say? Do you know anybody with this gift of tongues? He wanted to know that experience. Because it's very key, it's very central to the charismatic movement in the church today. And Sister Nancy, can you share with maybe some who are not familiar just the process? It's really tremendous to see um, because of what was happening here in the United States. Cardinal Sunins, one of the four moderators of Vatican II, 
was sent. But can you share a little bit about that process, kind of how he came over and what that process was like? Well, actually, I have to say proudly, no Lord have mercy on my any pride, but was through a sister of charity. In, in mm-hmm. 1960, um, Cardinal Sunans wrote a book called The Nun in the World, and he got letters from all over the world from sisters, major superiors. He asked two sisters to come to Belgium to help him answer these letters. One of them was Sister Marjorie Walsh, a sister of charity of New York. She was there. She went in a, with him to the Second Vatican Council. She came back from the council saying, I was at a mountaintop experience for the cat church, but I don't feel like I was renewed. So she started at 68, I think she was, taking two buses and leaving Mount St. Vincent in the Bronx to go to a prayer meeting down on the Lower East Side with with Chaman and Shearing. And mm-hmm. she experienced that change, that personal renewal that she hadn't experienced at, at the Second Vatican Council that she was longing for. That Christmas, that she was sending a Christmas card to Cardinal Sunens and Father Jim Ferry, who was always looking for opportunities to evangelize. He put that in the back of his head. Marjorie knows Cardinal Sunens. About a month later, Cardinal Sunens was in Philadelphia talking on ecumenism. And Father Jim said, Marjorie, write to Cardinal Sunens. We must witness to him about baptism in the Holy Spirit. And to make a long story short, I wasn't supposed to be there. There was a snowstorm. They didn't know what to do with me. So I went along on this meeting. And I was, as Father Jim said later, I wasn't nervous. I wasn't supposed to be there. I was 30 years old. I wasn't particularly in awe of Cardinal Sunens. But as he, Father Jim was speaking, and he was talking about Ann Arbor and the people of praise. And, and I remember thinking, I wish he would talk about us. That's when the Cardinal stopped him and said, do you know anybody with this gift of tongues? That's what he wanted to know. But good old Father Jim, he said, now you must come back next year to the House of Prayer. And he did. He came back as Father Michael, which was his, like, you know, hidden name. We were not supposed to know, let on that he was Cardinal Sunens. But um, we had a, a wonderful dear sister that lived with us, and she could never call Father Ferry, Father Fer- Jim. So he, the day before, Jim said to her, Marion, Call me Jim. And she said, yes, Father Ferry. Well, we had scripture sharing when the cardinal was with us and wasn't Marion leading. And she called on the next person and the next one. And she said, now, I couldn't remember. Were we supposed to know Cardinal Sunens was a priest? So not knowing that, she said to Cardinal Sunens, Michael, would you read the next part? And, of course, we almost all lost it. But Cardinal Sunens said to us, you must get my secretary, Wilfred Breven, into the Life and the Spirit Seminar. And we thought, hmm, something happened there. We found out that in the interim of the year before, he had prayed for the baptism of the Holy Spirit at Lumen Christi Prayer Group in Rome. Mm. The following year, he did come back. And this time we had like two or 3,000 people up in the auditorium at St. Elizabeth Seton College, Elizabeth College in Convent Station, New Jersey. And, you know, he was such an important person for the opening of the door of the Vatican to this charismatic move of the spirit. And of course it was he that had intervened in the second Vatican council and the constitution of the laity. And he put in there, not um, constitution of the church. I'm sorry. He said, not, not to say the charisms were extraordinary, but they were meant for the ordinary everyday life of the Christian. Mm -hmm. And that was what he lived. And, he was a great supporter through the Moline documents, a great teacher for the charismatic renewal. 
so. And so, it happened because Father Jim was interested in talking about baptism in the Holy Spirit. Sister, I want to ask you something real quick because we're running out of time. But I, but I, but I want to go back to something you said before when you mentioned that, um, you know, in the early days, they, the, the house shook and there was this expectation. Is, there a, is this a matter of faith where nowadays people think, ah, that was probably an exaggeration, that didn't happen, gifts of tongues, it's not really, I mean, is there just a, is it, is it a faith thing that people just doubt that these things can actually happen? And I mean, in your opinion, obviously, or, or, or yeah. I mean, I don't know what it is, but it's like, why were they so sure for hundreds of years and then it almost went away? And now there's a group coming back going, no, 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 that's, that actually was real. And, and we're experiencing and there are people going, nah, your people are either nuts or that's not really what they meant. I mean, wh- why the disconnect? Well, I think that, you, you know, the Israelites say you can't lead a horse to water. You know, you know to make them drink, you've got to lead them. And sometimes I think we just haven't done that. We're holding back mm-hmm. saying, well, you see, it's there, it's there, it's there. And, you know, my, my, my grandnephew making his confirmation. He went to Steubenville University for their confirmation retreat. And he and the others, when they witnessed at their confirmation, every single one of them mentioned having been brought into the experience of people praying in the spirit and witnessing in the spirit and changed lives. I don't think it's going to, we're going to do it throughout the heads. We have to bring people into an experience. Mm-hmm. Please, God, they're open to it. And if they're not, there's nothing we can do about it. We have right now a wonderful sister. She's 90 years old. She just came to live with me. She's been a teacher in the high school all her life. But she is so open to more of the Holy Spirit that she's experiencing transformation. And she never expected to experience this at her age. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you said it before, Steve, expectancy, desire, uh, and good teachers. Good, strong yeah. teaching. Uh, Sister Nancy, we're we're humbled to be with you and really to receive you've been teaching I us throughout this entire <laughs> this mm-hmm. entire interview. So thank you for all the wisdom you are sharing with us now. It's it's so precious to have this time with you. Sister Nancy, we we are launching and we're we're preparing to launch a nine year novena to the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit. Pentecost 2024 will be the official launch, but we have some months of preparation. So we want to invite you to share a word of of wisdom with those who are listening as we prepare for for this novena, this novena really inviting the Holy Spirit to pour out a new and ongoing Pentecost in the renewal, in the church, and in the world. Any, Any words of wisdom that you have? I think the word of wisdom I would have Alicia, is that we pray. It's not any more words that I could say, you could say, mm-hmm. or Steve can say. It's the move of the Holy Spirit in people's hearts. So, Lord Jesus, we just come before you and we pray for all of those who are listening, that you would give them a hunger for more of you, a hunger for your, your grace and your healing, a hunger for reconciliation in their lives and in, in their relationships, and that you would give them us all a new hunger for evangelization, to bring other people to know Jesus. The greatest joy for a Christian is to bring someone else to know Jesus who didn't know Jesus before. That's the word. It's the prayer. It's the prayer for desire. It's the prayer for expectancy. It's the prayer for more of the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Lord Jesus. 
come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, sister. Thank you again for your time today. We know you're busy and we greatly appreciate you, you know, spending this time with us. And it's like I've said before, you know, these, these words are seeds in the minds of our listeners. And we just hope that it, you know, blooms flowers and fruit at later, if not more immediate, because we definitely need more leadership. We need more folks to get out there. This is one of these things where it's like God has put this out there for us. And, and I think you said it when you can lead a horse to water, but there are people that reject God. They reject Jesus. They reject these things. They don't want this. And there's nothing you can do about it but pray for them and, and hope that God will soften their hearts. I mean, you can, you can go in the Bible where, where God has hardened and softened hearts for his greater purpose, and, and all we can do is pray and hope that whatever we're doing is ultimately for his good. And now I also want to encourage our listeners, you know, get to understand what this charismatic movement is. I am just floored that as a lifelong Catholic, how much in just such a short time it's changed me. And so I encourage you to go out to our website, PentecostTodayUSA.org. It's PentecostTodayUSA.org. I encourage you to go out there and, and read about, you know, the movement, the origins of the movement, different events that are coming up. You know, there's different information out there. We want you to get involved because we want you to not only get involved and change your life, but also, you know, we all have the power to change others' lives. You know, this can be a greater, I mean, it's kind of, um, you know, a cliche, but it can be a better place for all of us to live, but we all have to make a concerted effort. And I think God, that was his intention, was never to have chaos and war and death and famine. It was our choices, it's our sins that create these problems. So if we can lift each other up and get closer to God, then we're obviously going to have, you know, not perfect lives. And, and we can never say we'll never have anything bad that's ever going to happen. But we can certainly have someone beside us praying for us and know that God is right there with us and not even yeah. doubt it anymore. So please go out there, get involved, check out the website. Sister, thank you very much. But as always, we, we do want to close with a prayer. And if it's all right, I'd like to ask you to please close us out with a prayer before we go. Lord, we thank you for this time. We pray that you would be glorified in everything we said and all of our coming together, that you be glorified in the people who are listening, that you touch them right now and give them that deep desire for more of you, never to be satisfied, but always seeking the more of you, the more of your love, the more of your grace, the more of your spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Veni creato spiritus. Amen. Amen. Amen, sister. And again, thank you again, sister. I, I, I sincerely mean that. It was great. It's the first time I've ever spoken to you, and, and I am telling you, um, you've opened my eyes. And I want to say one little funny thing. When you were, when you were telling the story of how you, know, you had to start the stove, and I'm thinking, these kids today, 30 years, they'll be telling their story about how they had to get up from the couch and turn the thermostat to make the house warm. So, <laughs> so I, I appreciate that. So thank you very much, sister. Alicia, I can't wait to have you back in the studio. Thank you again for joining remotely. Uh, we appreciate it. And as always, God bless our listeners. Thank you for listening. Share this with others. If we can change lives, Amen. that's what this is about. It is about changing Amen. lives. Please do it. God bless you. Thank you very much. And have a wonderful day. Amen. Praise God.